Match 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From Chavez Ravine in Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, California, the Mass and All Access podcast has hit the road and followed the Nationals out west to the NLDS. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everyone, presented by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancana with you inside Dodger Stadium. We're in Section 4, right behind home plate. They're getting the field ready, Paul, and it was a wild ride to get here, but we're here in L.A., in a best-of-five series, the Nationals have to be proud of that accomplishment. They certainly do. I'm certainly proud that, that we got here, considering we got here on 40-minute sleep for me. It was plus, yours under an hour? Yes, definitely under an hour, plus okay. maybe hour, hour and a half-ish on the plane. Uh, yeah, took a solid nap yesterday. Woke up, um, not sure what country I was in. Bigger accomplishment, the Nationals winning the wildcard game or us catching up on sleep in under 24 hours? No question. No question the latter there, Bobby. Uh, yeah, we got a second camera for you to see kind of what we're looking at. This is an absolutely spectacular view. I mean, this is both our first times here in Dodger Stadium. Yep. Um, this is a, I mean... What what a ballpark! Um, a couple years ago, I got to go to Wrigley for the NLDS between the Cubs and the Nats. That was pretty incredible. This is the third oldest ballpark in all of baseball by a lot. It wasn't built till years after, and Wrigley, it looks it. decades after Wrigley. But it is it looks old, but um, boy, this is a, a gorgeous sight. And and uh, really, anytime you can play it at like a historic ballpark for. Um, an exciting postseason series. That's that's awesome. Right. Obviously, the Nationals were back here in 2016, and neither of us were able to make that trip. Um, Olivia Witherite did, but yeah, it's kind of awe-inspiring once you because I don't know if many Nationals fans know you walk in from the top layer at yep. Dodger Stadium, and then you make your way down because it's again built into Chavez Ravine, Chavez Ravine, and um, it's it's beautiful. You see the mountains in the background. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a very interesting sight. It's, it's glorious. Um, it's it's. <laughs> It's cool to be here. It's a good. It's a good location for for some playoff baseball. Let's quickly talk about how we got here, Paul. Yep. Because um, obviously, Nationals win the NL Wild Card game. If they don't win that game, we're not here. We're talking about end of season. We're doing an end of season podcast from the studio back in the Madison studio. Uh, that was as good of a Wild Card game I think as anyone's ever seen in the short time that the Wild Card game has been like a thing. The Nationals pull off a dramatic comeback, um, all hands on deck. Look, well, that phrase has been said a thousand times over the past couple of days. Um, Juan Soto comes up with the big clutch hit in the bottom of the eighth inning to send Nats Park into a frenzy and, and to send, honestly send the Nationals to L.A. And it was just an amazing scene, an amazing game. Even if you're not a Nationals or Brewers fan, you have to appreciate the, the drama that came with that game. And F.P. Santangelo tweeted it out earlier today, I think, with a poll of was that the greatest hit in Nationals history, the Juan Soto hit uh, to right field, or was it the Jason Worth walk-off um, back in game four? I wasn't there for that, Bobby. Um, you grew up in D.C. or D.C. You know, guy through yeah. and through, so you might be able to speak to this more, but you can certainly make the case that Juan Soto had the greatest hit so far in Nationals history. Uh, that was that was incredible. I, I think, mean, yeah, I, I think it, it is because of the stakes that, yeah. that we're at. It's a winner-take-all game. Yes, Jason Worth's home run is going to go down in Nationals lore for all time. Up until Tuesday, that was the best hit, in that, greatest yeah. hit in Nationals history because, you know, of, of you know, it's a walk-off in a game four, another kind of elimination game. You've lived to survive another day. But, of course, the Nationals didn't end up winning that series. That's kind of the, the asterisk on that. 
on that play for me. For the Juan Soto one, it, it quote unquote advanced them to the next round. Yeah. So that's that's it an did. that's a that's an advancing hit, so to speak. Uh, for Juan Soto and the Nationals. So, to me, that's the best hit, the greatest hit in Nationals history thus far. Um, and, and it's not a question just because – and we've seen – I wasn't actually in the stadium for game four mm-hmm. and back in 2012. I was still in college. And we've seen uh, some of the Nationals beat reporters who have been covering this team since they – Mark Zuckerman being one of them, saying, Tuesday night, that Juan Soto hit was the loudest he has ever heard Nationals Park, including – Game four, the Jason Worth walk-off. It was just incredible. And I think it's because up until that point, like for me at least, I don't know how you felt. I, I was at that point, Josh Hader comes in for the for the Brewers. I was expecting the, the Nationals to lose. I thought that game was in the bag for the Brewers. And I mean, we've seen time and time again this Nationals team, the grit they've shown, the stay in the fight attitude, the never give up. If there was ever a Nationals team to pull that comeback off, it's this team. And I think that's what made it all special, and, and the crowd knew it. And this is going to sound like I'm lying here, but I I believe they were going to come back. I, I, and I honestly did. Like, uh, and I have text receipts to prove it because I was texting with um, uh, Hannah Broder and Amy Jennings, who we were um, there at Nats Park with, saying we need to get the camera wrapped. And this was at the top of the eighth because I was just I just felt like the bottom of the eighth they might make a comeback. We might have to. Uh, run down because they get us, you know, only one half inning left. They get a save in the top of the ninth, and then we have to run down. Yeah. I just, I felt like something was coming. Good I, for you. I, and it's just because that I wouldn't have believed it. Honestly, I might not have believed it with any other team, any other team I've covered, right. almost any other team I've watched. But this team is just different. They're just different. They are never out of it. I mean, they, uh, y- you know, even when it just felt like. Ev- the ball, I don't know what has happened. And, and for the first couple months of the season, just felt like every single bounce of the ball went against the Nationals. And pretty much since May 24th, and especially since the Nats' last homestand of the regular season with that grand slam from Trey Turner, and then the Cubs start losing to the Pirates within minutes of each other, it just seems like every single bounce of the ball has gone the Nationals' way to the point where literally the bounce of the ball yeah. past the right fielder yeah. uh, in the eighth inning went the Nationals' way. And, it, I mean, the ballpark uh, absolutely erupted, and you can – it was one of those type of hits and one of those wins that um, kicked some skeletons out of the closet for you. I yeah. mean, it, it you know obviously still a lot of work to be done. Still, they got to um, you know or face quite a tough task that we're going to preview against uh, as they go up against the Dodgers. But they it just felt like this is different. This is a different Nationals team than any any Nationals team we've ever seen. So many thoughts on what you just said for me based. Both as a reporter and as a fan of the team and the city I come from, it might, it might have been. It probably was. It definitely was. My DC sports biased, where sadness is just a flat circle. I was just expecting devastation. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree that again, if there's ever a team, like I said, ever a team to do that comeback, it was this team. And and I said before the wild card game, the, I, I didn't. I thought the Brewers would win the game, and it started off the exact way I thought it would. I was afraid that Max Scherzer would give up early home runs. You can't fall behind the Brewers because that bullpen is just too good. Yep. Um, but I said, this is probably their best chance in an elimination game, in a winner-take-all, in a Game 5 scenario, quote-unquote, that I thought they've ever had to win. Thinking back to the Game 5s of 2012, 2016, and 2017, I, I gave them the best chance to win that game. I, just because, one, I like the matchup with the Brewers if they were able to get an early lead. Um, and two the never quit attitude they have they're now riding a nine game 
winning streak into this NLDS uh, from that homestand. Let's see how they play on the road. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does shake some skeletons. And now you're playing with house money because, yeah. you know, you're not – they weren't supposed to be here. No. And, and even thinking back to Tuesday night at the top of the eighth, mid-eighth inning, they weren't supposed to be here. So now you're just kind of like, all right, well, let's go give the Dodgers whatever we've got because, you know, there's nothing we can lose. We're – we didn't win our division. We did win a dramatic wildcard game, but, you know, there are, people aren't expecting them to beat the Dodgers. People weren't expecting them to get out of the National League wildcard game, but here they are, and they have a chance, and, and I, I think I gave them a, a fair chance. I don't think this is going to be a sweep by any means, but I give them a fair chance. And if anything, I think the Nash, I think the Dodgers didn't want to face the Nationals. I think the Nationals match up the best against the Dodgers than any other team in the National League. That's left standing. Well, I think most teams would want to avoid in a four – I mean, this is what – this rotation Correct. is now built yep. for you know obviously it was built to get through the regular season but now is when this is why they invested all that money is for a five best of five series just like this right one, where you have four capable superior starters for the best 25 starters uh in all of baseball and three of maybe the best 15 starters 10 starters in the national league right um to go up in, and obviously the wild card game, it, you know, it, ideal scenario, you go, you know, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, but that that kind of threw the, the wild card game threw things into a flux. But, right. but you still have four guys available, with the top three being absolutely elite and the fourth guy being very good um, to go up in in this series. And uh, you know, it, I, I agree with you, Bobby. We'll get to series predictions later on. I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but. Mark Zuckerman put it well on the blog this morning on MassInSports.com. Every other series, playoff series that the Nationals have been in, I believe they have been favorites. Right. Um, even, even This is the, the first time they're starting on the road. Yes. Um, you know, They're the lower seed. Uh, they have, because they've never come in as a wild card team, they've never come in uh, as a team that is the, the worst seed. And the Dodgers are back-to-back World Series losers. They all of the pressure on the world is yeah. on the Dodgers yeah. right now to get through this series and to get to the next round and to get to the World Series and then to win the World Series. Right. I mean, seriously, like I think most Dodgers fans, you're the one seed in all of in, in the National League. You win 106 games. You just lost the World Series back to back seasons. They want to win this. They want to win this more than anything. And the the amount of pressure on this team, I think, far exceeds anything that is on uh, DC right now. Absolutely. And I, I wonder. I'll be interested to talk to some Dodger people while we're out here and during the course of the series. Let's just say, you know, whether they win the series or not. Let's just say the Dodgers again fall short of the World Series, or winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. Does Dave Roberts' job get a pull? Is he on the hot seat all of a sudden? Because now that's three straight seasons that you yeah. were favored probably to win it all, and you fell short. I mean. We just saw the Cubs fire Joe Madden, who broke the longest losing streak championship drought in sports history, and within a couple of years, he's out. I yeah. mean, it's just so much pressure to win nowadays, especially with these high payroll clubs. He could very well be on his way out if they again fall short. But that's a conversation well, for, the, for Dodgers. And and real quickly on Go that, you know, it's like after last, you know, after every season where the Nats have lost in the NLDS, there have always been questions. Maybe with the exception of 2012 always been questions of there have to be changes because we can't get over the hump. Right. I mean that's that's why Dusty lost his job was because they could not get over the hump. For the for the Dodgers, though all those questions are going to be there and for the Nats, even if they lose the series in four uh, games or five games or however long it'll take, you know, that is 
they can still hold their heads up high and say there are still so much to look forward to next season. There don't need to be changes. Just bring, just run this back. Maybe make a couple tweaks for the Dodgers. It's, it's make or break. It's, it's, it maybe, feels that way, definitely. Yeah, maybe, We're not as in touch with the Dodgers, right. obviously, but yeah, it definitely feels that way from an outsider's point of view. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if jobs are on the line, but, you know, they, there will, I would guess, there are still going to be shakeups because of the 106 wins during the regular season, because of how dominant they have been, and the fact that they, for, uh, for right now, just can't get over the hump. So that I really think the pressure is on the Dodgers in this series. Yeah, it really is. I, I totally agree. Now, let's look at this series, and, and again, I think that the Nationals, the way that their roster is constructed, they are much better suited for a, a series, a multiple game series, five, seven, whatever it may be, than a single wild card game. That's what was one of my biggest fears going into Tuesday as well, was that the Brewers were built for that kind of winner-take-all one game, whereas I feel like the Nationals are way better suited for yeah. a series, a multiple game series. So I like the way they match up. Key to me, Paul, right now, as we're sitting here before game one at Dodger Stadium, is... Patrick Corbin on the mound. Uh, the way that the wild card game played itself out, where we knew Davey had, again, all hands on deck. He was not going to hold back, was not afraid to go to any of his pitchers uh, if needed in that game. And we saw Max, you know, say what you will about Max giving up the home runs. Again, one of my biggest concerns going into that game. But he kept the minute. Three-run deficit is not out of it. That's still a close game. And then Steven Strasburg comes in and pitches three scoreless on just 34 pitches. He might be your game two starter. We'll find that out later. The... The fact that they did not have to use Patrick Corbin in the wildcard game is huge to me. And now he's your game one starter, a left-handed pitcher against a very lefty prominent dom- uh, lineup in the Dodgers. And this is a stat that's coming I actually saw on Twitter from uh, uh, Grant Paulson of 106.7 The Fan. He is making his playoff debut tonight for the Patrick Corbin. Strange he never got into a playoff game with those couple seasons with the D-backs. But anyways, he uh, Patrick Corbin has led all Southpaw starters with a 190 average against and a 243 slugging percentage against left-handed hitters. That's incredible. And so I think that favors the Nationals big time in this game one going against, again, a lefty-heavy lineup in the Dodgers. If he's able to shut them down early in game one and and Bueller going against a, a Nationals lineup that's very well balanced, one of the few right-handed starters the Dodgers like to trot out there, I think if I think I would give the slight edge to the Nationals here in game one. And let's not forget that the, the reason Patrick Corbin is available, you touched on it there, but the fact that Davey had enough faith in Scherzer to keep him out there. Yeah. If he had pulled Max after uh, – so Max went through five. Then you had Strasburg pitch six, seven, eight with uh, just a little over 34 pitches. 34 pitches, yeah. Um, if, if he had pulled – I mean – we have seen how quick of a trigger managers can have in postseason games, especially elimination games. Sometimes managers, they've seen enough after three innings. Yeah. And the fact that Davey so had enough, yeah, the fact that Davey had enough faith in his ace um, to throw to keep him out there, and especially after he he had runners on first and second, he didn't burn a single reliever, uh, you know, to try to get the rest of an inning. He let Max have. All five of those innings, yep. despite the fact that he looked off to start the game. He was pumping 99, but he wasn't controlling it. Um, he, a leadoff walk, so unlike him, gives up a home run. And then you think he settled down, and then next in it gives up a home run as well. And they're all of a sudden they're in a 3 nothing hole. Right. He had all of the reasons in the world to pull Max Scherzer from that game and say, we got to go with Shiraz at this point. There are people begging for it. Yeah, because we have Corbin available. Because we have Sanchez available. He didn't. 
he didn't. And it, it, it you know, obviously, if the script, if Soto doesn't get that hit, you know, we may not be questioning that. We'll probably be questioning other moves, but that is one of the moves we might be questioning because, you know, we say, oh, maybe he was trying to get too cute and save Corbin for a game that was never going to happen. But it happened. Yeah. I mean, it, it, every single move that they have made has worked out over the past few weeks, and that is one of them. Um, so to, to uh, now flip the script to today with Patrick Corbin, um, the only thing that concerns me is that uh, he is better at home than he is away. And ideally you would want him starting, you know, ideally you don't have to play the wild card game, and, and even if you start the first two games on the road, you get game three with Patrick Corbin on the mound at home. Right. For whatever reason, he's been dominant at Nats Park and just not quite as dominant on the road. However, he did uh, face this Dodgers team earlier in the year, was very good against them. I think seven shutout innings uh, against this Dodgers team. So, yeah, I think, you know, even with the road cons- uh, worries out there, I think the Nats could not be feel more confident with uh, Corbin on the mound in game one. Touch to, to add on to that point about maybe some slight concerns about Corbin, good point about being on the road. But also, again, you know, it's exciting, but his first postseason appearance you know his first time in the postseason he's a veteran pitcher you know he he has seen the stage obviously but he's never actually been on there maybe some jitters maybe some overexcitement, maybe some balls get away from him uh, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of manages the moment out there on the mound today at Dodger Stadium and is able to maybe control his emotions his first time being out there and just kind of focus on his stuff if that slider is working I think the Nationals win, man. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for the Dodgers to get touch that slider if he's putting it wherever he wants to, especially with all these left-handed hitters. Yeah. Um, and then you flip on again on the you talk about the flip side, flip side for for Bueller again, right-handed against this very balanced Nationals lineup. David Martinez has done a great job. Volumes are not out yet for Game One, but David Martinez has done a great job of going right, left, right, left. Um, that top of the lineup with Turner, Eaton, Rendon, Soto, uh, probably Cabrera, a switch hitter. And then probably Suzuki, uh, and then Howie Kendrick too. Yeah, uh, Victor. It, it, it might be tough for Bueller to get some outs based on how balanced the Nationals lineup is. So again, this is a matchup that I like for the Nationals. Uh, if you were asking me for a prediction for Game One, you know I would hope the Nationals, and they're just riding hot. They're just riding hot right now. I would hope they were able to take advantage of this pitching matchup, and then chafe, face the Dodgers' tough lefties in Games Two and Three. Uh, and see how that plays out for them. Yeah. I, I, game one is so crucial, critical. It's not like a wild card game, obviously. If you lose, it's not over yet. But I heard a stat. You know what stat this morning? I another heard. Give it to me. On, uh, I believe it was Intentional Talk on MLB Network. Mm-hmm. My TV's in my room as you're working, as yours is not. <laughs> um, yeah, mine did uh, was on when I walked into the room, and then I shut it off. And it won't turn back on, Bobby. I don't know why. Uh, look, I think it's uh, it's God sending me a message to watch less TV, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it. But well, anyway. The Dodgers, in their last six postseason series, they are 4-0 in that series when they win game one. They're 0-2 when they lose game one. <laughs> so, I mean, that's six series, kind of a small sample size, but that's a trend. Yeah. I can say that's a trend. So. Might be important for the Nationals to take this game one right here at Dodger Stadium um, in L.A. And, and and feel good about themselves. Again, this is a team that's riding high. They have all the confidence in the world, and they have nothing to lose. So you might as well go out swinging. And Patrick Corbin said yesterday um, he thinks that the Nats match up pretty well with them. Yeah. The the numbers 
tell pretty much the same tale. Um, you know, they're only a slight edge to the Dodgers in the season series. Yeah. Uh, as these two teams played seven games, Dodgers had the slight edge. Nats at a critical time in the season before they even got into their to the past the post May twenty four stretch. Um, they split a series with the Dodgers out here. Gerardo Parra hit that grand slam. Right um, and you look at the, where they stand as in terms of team stats, they match up pretty darn well, uh, especially offensively. Kind of underrated how how good the Nats have been offensively overall this year. So the, the Dodgers, fifth in runs per game, Nats were sixth. Uh, Dodgers were fourth in OPS, Nats were sixth in that category. Um, the only one that really kind of you know stands out offensively is that the Dodgers were fourth in homers, Nats were 13th. So they hit fewer homers, but still drove in the same amount of runs. The, when, you come, when it comes to the, the rotation, uh, and uh, the, the, the Dodgers have had the best team ERA, bullpen and rotation, in all of baseball yeah. by almost .3 runs per game, which is a massive difference. They've had by far the best, and that is up there with the, the Astros, you know, considering their three-headed monster. Uh, they are sixth in strikeouts, Nats were seventh. Where it really starts to get tricky is when it gets to the bullpen. Yep. Nats still finished with the worst bullpen in all of baseball, despite the fact they were better in the second half. The Dodgers have the fourth best bullpen ERA in the regular season. We talked about in the Brewer series, wanting to get leads early and often um, so that you wouldn't have to face the back end of a tough Brewers bullpen. Nats got through that Brewers bullpen, got to Josh Hader, didn't end up mattering. But the same rings true for this series. They have to get runs on the board early and often because you don't want to get into a situation where you're tied going into the seventh inning and, uh, you know, you can't throw a starter out there because he's starting the next day or the day after. You have to go with a guy in your bullpen. And as good as Hunter Strickland and Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle have been, you just don't – they just don't match up with the back end of the Dodgers bullpen as well. Yeah, and the NLDS rosters have been released, and, and the only tweaks that David Martinez and Mike Rizzo have made, Rowdy Reed and Andrew Stevenson out, Austin Voth, mm-hmm. kind of a surprise, and Wander Suero, not a surprise, in. They trade backup catcher. You don't need a third catcher for a five-game series and a pinch runner. But remember, Andrew Stevenson was one of the runs that scored on Juan Soto's hit. So... Although he uh, did make hitting. a mistake on that play, which some watched uh, later oh, on. Oh, really? He didn't break on the three, not on that play, sorry, on the at-bat previously. Didn't break on the 3-2 pitch uh, where Anthony Rendon was at the plate. Didn't end up mattering because it was a ball. Right. But an interesting little nugget that people noticed. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, he sits. He's still faster. And you've got two <laughs> and, extra and, arms yeah. in the bullpen. Obviously, Wander Suero has been good and bad this season uh i feel like he i believe he leads the nationals bullpen in appearances this year yeah hopefully he's not too worn down didn't pitch in the in the wildcard game obviously wasn't even on the roster but hopefully maybe some rest gets him ramped back up and austin voth an interesting no eric fetty no joe ross austin voth gets the call instead probably in that just in case emergency game goes extra innings you need innings to eat so you don't burn like you said a starter uh for down the line um but yeah again the bullpen that's gonna be the key and and i you know we could talk about the starting pitching and the offense as much as we can eventually davey martinez is gonna have to trust an arm other than daniel hudson and sean doolittle out there and that's gonna that might be the decision or that that might be the move that makes or breaks for the nationals can that Whoever it may be, can that pitcher, the relief pitcher, get outs and get the team back in the dugout without giving up any runs? Exactly. The odds are 
somebody in the staff will not necessarily have a blow-up outing, but will have a less-than-ideal outing. Right. Odds are, in a best-of-five series, somebody out there might averages be— Averages out. Yeah. As we talked about, it's going to yeah. average out. Somebody might, somebody might struggle. I mean, somebody might not be able to get through six innings. Somebody might not be able to get through five innings. Right. It's the bridge. It is the bridge between, in the six, seven, and eight— it is the bridge between the Daniel Hudson and the Sean Doolittle that is that could swing this series. Exactly. And the Nats are. I, I'm sure the Nats are praying that they just that their starters get them as deep as possible in these games because, I, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Sean Doolittle or uh, Wander Swear was used a lot, so fatigue could be a factor. If I'm a Nats fan, I wouldn't want to see Wander Swear at all in this series. I really. I mean, that's, an, that's ideal. That's yeah. ideal. Unfortunately, that's ideal. That means your starters are getting deep. And you are handing the ball directly to Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle in the eighth and ninth. And inning. there's there's no, I mean, no playoff team want, you know wants to go into a series or wants to wants to give the ball to a certain relief pitcher and say, oh god, here we go. Right. Like, and, and frankly, that's how Nats fans would react if right. Wander Suero got the ball. Well, here's also the thing too, Paul. Is you know, it's it's playoff baseball. We're in October now. It's best of five. Again, in a five-game series, seven-game series, averages are going to play out. It's not like a wild-card game. Yeah. So we'll see some averages come up and down. You know, it's, it'll it'll come regress to a mean, basically. Not everything's going to go perfect. Something's going to go wrong for both teams yeah. eventually. How do you weather the storm? You know, can, say, a Wander Suero has to come in for a sixth or seventh inning, whatever, right. gets a couple base runners, can he get out of it? You know, yeah. just because things are going wrong doesn't mean they have to be, you know, traumatic. Yeah. And, and just bone crushing and, you know, just destroy the whole process. When things go wrong, how do they weather the storm and can they get out of a mess without with, with very little damage? I think that's also going to be key, too, with this bullpen in terms of when guys come yeah. in and how they're used. And this is thinking way down the line here, but one thing that I will look at, and I'm brought up by the fact that I'm watching him come into the dugout right now, Max Scherzer. He did get through those five innings, but we saw him struggle at the beginning of the, that outing. And if he didn't have such a troubling September, I think people would be less worried about it. I would be less worried about it. But the fact that he had an ERA over five in the, in the last month of the season, the fact that he came out and was off to start that game gives me just a little bit of concern. It's, it's He's just not as – it's just the slightest bit of doubt in the back of my mind that he will be um, as good as he – is expected to be uh, when that time comes. Whether it's Game Three, I would guess it's going to be Game Three because that would be uh, on regular rest, I think. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, he's he's going to pitch for one of these games in the series at least, and it's just he just that a little bit of concern that he's not the same. Max it's about a concern. I have the same concern too. But I, I would say with each start, he's getting better. I mean, I think he's kind of he's the guy. He just needs. Reps might, might be the wrong term, but you know what I mean. He just needs more outings to kind of work his way back to his, his normal self. I would agree. I expect him to pitch game three. He'll be on normal rest yeah. uh, for a game three. Back at home, the comforts of home. You know, he pitches well at home in front of the home fa- the home crowd at Nats Park. Um, yeah, it's going to be concerning. He, he's susceptible to the long ball. I would I would expect him to give up a home run, maybe two like we saw on two. But, it, again, it's kind of back to that can you weather the storm. He did on Tuesday. If the storm hits again on, on Sunday at Nats Park, can he weather that and get through five, maybe six? That's going to be key. Again, it's not he, – he's going to give up runs, I feel like. It's, it might be hard to expect him to pitch like six shutout innings because yeah. that's just not where he's at right now. But can he keep them in the game? Davey Martinez stressed the other day and after the game on Tuesday, 
He kept us in the game. He gave us a shot, and that's all we needed. Yeah. Can he keep them in the game, give them a shot? And that's something you don't really say about Max Scherzer, you know? He's the one that kind of wins you the game. Yeah. But where he's at now health-wise and in terms of building his way back up to where he once was and what he's expected to be, can he keep the Nationals in the game and within striking distance? Because this offense is hot. And, and they're going to score runs. I, this is, I've never felt more confident in a Nationals offense heading to the postseason to score runs. We've seen them go quiet before. I believe they're going to score. It's just a matter of can this pitching staff, maybe starters excluded, well, starters included, pitching staff, both starters and relievers, can they keep the Dodgers off the board yeah. early and often as well while the Nationals score? And I know we got to wrap up pretty soon, but one more thing I do want to bring up is – this is this team it goes back to my point at the beginning of this team just being different. I would say for any other team it's absolutely critical that you get one of these first two games. I would not lose all faith if they went down 0-2. I really, really wouldn't because I I think that I would still give them a puncher's chance even if they can't sneak out one of these two games because you have Max Scherzer who, you know, a little bit of doubt that he's not the same. But he's still Max Scherzer. If he can crank out one of his elite outings like he is capable of, you have him going for game three in, in theory and at home. And we have seen how good that the Nats have been at home. And you have back the fact that he would have back-to-back games at home. If they go down 0-2, I would give them a puncher's chance to come back in the series because you could, in theory, win both those games at home and then anything happens in game five. So I... I, obviously, it's it's massively important that they get one of these two games, and I agree with you, Bobby. I think the one to get is probably this game as opposed to tomorrow. Yeah. But it, they're never out of it. They're just never out of it. I like that thinking. All right, prediction time. Let's wrap this up because yeah. we've got some pregame stuff to do as well. Be sure to check out Mass and All Access. If you're listening right now, uh, be sure to check out Mass and All Access on Facebook and Twitter and, Inst- and uh, YouTube, excuse me, uh, leading up to uh, Nat's extra post-game hour long on Mass and yes. late night before game one. Um, well, right. pre-game and then, and then post-game. Oh, pre-game and post-game. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. We have so much coverage. Mass yeah, has all your much. coverage need for uh, the NLDS uh, this week. Prediction time. Paul, I'll let you go first since you basically just said yours. Yep, uh, I, you, were, you were touching on it. Go for it. I honestly, and this is a bold prediction here, Bobby, but I think uh, obviously I mentioned that Giving them a puncher's chance. I think the Dodgers win the first two. I think the Nats win three and four at home. <laughs> I think it goes to a game five. I think you and I are booking My another are flight on no sleep here back to for a game five oh, in Chavez Ravine, and I'm giving it to the Nats. You I think made the me Nats so nervous. I think the Nats have it. I think they just have it. it. It's it is the baseball gods are smiling upon them, and unless that luck runs out in the next. 24 hours, I give them the series in five games. Bobby, where you go? You know what? This morning at breakfast, I told you Dodgers in four. I think I'm changing my mind. I think really? I am putting my official prediction as we get closer to first pitch here. I'm going to say, well, game one is going to be crucial. I've said that a thousand times. Bueller and his two outings against the, the Nationals this year, I think the first time he went seven shutout innings here at Dodger Stadium back at Nats Park. I believe he gave up seven runs in a shorter outing. So the Nationals can hit him around. Again, like the matchup in game one. I think that I think actually the Nationals take game one today. And then I said today earlier that the, the Dodgers would win three straight and win in four. But having talked it out now, people are saying the winner of this series is going to win the whole thing. That that frightens me. I, I have a – my D.C. sports guy in me has a Caps 2018 vibe going on with this Nationals team. Call me crazy. It just kind of feels like 
Team of Destiny type thing where nothing's going to stop this team. <laughs> so I'm putting my official, <laughs> official prediction, Nats in five. I don't think they go down 0-2. I think they win game one. Okay. But I think, they, I think you're right. I think we're coming back to L.A. for a game five on Wednesday. Patrick Corbin back on the mound for game five and shuts down this Dodgers team. And the Nationals advance finally yeah. to the National League Championship Series. If, if there's a team to do it, it's this one. Might as well. It's kind of a why stay in the fight. Why not? No, why not? It's, it's a why not. Exactly. It's it's they have nothing, not nothing to lose. Right. They still but have there's no pressure. To, there's there's like far less pressure. And I I just think why not? I think this is the team that can do it. If there's one team right now that can beat the Dodgers, especially in the National League, I think it's the Nats, and I think they do it. Well. <laughs> Regardless, stay with us throughout the entire National League Division Series and hopefully beyond. Yep. The Mass and All Access podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can watch us on the Mass and All Access and Mass and Nationals Facebook page, the Mass and Nationals YouTube page, and Mass and Nationals on Twitter. Um, and check out Paul on Mass and All Access later today. We'll talk to Mark Zuckerman. We'll hear from David Martinez. We'll hear from whoever the Game 2 starter is. Um, it's going to be coverage wall-to-wall, and then obviously Mass and has pregame and postgame coverage. At Bobby underscore Blanco for me on Twitter. At Paul Mancano for Paul. We're tweeting way too much while we're out too here, and, it, and it's a good thing. There's <laughs> a lot to talk about, a lot to cover. Um, enjoy game one, everybody. Have fun. Don't stress. It's it's, it's good to be in the situation. It's going to be a good time. For Paul, I'm Bobby. This is the Mass and All Access Podcast from Dodger Stadium, brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Enjoy game one.